You're listening to the Hippie Haven Podcast. I'm Callie, and it's my life mission to empower you with the tools and resources you need to spark positive change in your community. Just over three years ago, I started Bestowed Essentials, which has now grown to be South Dakota's largest handmade soap company, and we also make a variety of other beauty and cleaning products. Bestowed Essentials has been recognized by FedEx as one of their top 100 small businesses for two years in a row. In December 2019, my team and I opened Hippie Haven, a zero-waste store and community space in Rapid City, South Dakota, with an online shop as well, and of course, I host this Hippie Haven podcast. If you're new here, I release an episode every Wednesday, which you can get instantly downloaded to your phone for easy listening by subscribing to this podcast on any of the major podcasting apps. The show notes and full transcript for every episode are available on my website, hippiehavenpodcast.com. You can also learn more about me on the website or by following along on Instagram at hippiehavenshop. Today's episode is a repost of an Instagram live I did just a couple days ago with my dear friend Jamie Nicolini, owner of the sustainable supply company The Collective in Des Moines, Iowa. Jamie and I met in April 2019 when I spoke about reducing your environmental impact at the Des Moines Vegan Fest, which she helped organize. And then the day after the Vegan Fest, she took me out to breakfast to pick my brain, and we ended up sitting there for like eight or nine hours talking about opening a zero-waste store, our struggles with alcohol, our journey to veganism, and so much more, and we've been friends ever since. Then last summer, she opened her own brick-and-mortar store in Des Moines, and of course, she stocks my Bestowed Essentials products there. We both get so many questions about what it's like running a zero-waste business and how we got started, so that's why we did this Instagram Live, which I'm cross-posting to my Hippie Haven podcast so that it can reach more of you. But before we start playing the audio of our conversation, though, I wanted to say happy Earth Day. I know that there is so much going on right now, but it's still always as important as ever to take care of Mother Earth. And I haven't shared any good environmental news in forever, but I figured what better time than now to talk about the little bit of good that's going on in the world. So these are just headlines that I'll be sharing. If you want to get more details, you can find the article or the source linked in the show notes for this episode on hippiehavenpodcast.com. Delta Airlines is donating over 200,000 pounds of food from canceled flights to hospitals in need. A bar owner in Georgia removes $3,714 in bills from the walls of their bar to give to unemployed staff. Nike announced that the brand will be providing $1.6 million to help local organizations meet immediate needs, such as food assistance and medical care, in key cities and communities around the world where the brand's employees live and work. A seven-year-old in Virginia donated more than 6,000 masks, gloves, and caps from hotels to hospital workers. Three pigs that were originally fated to become pork and then endured the brutal impact of Hurricane Florence have now taken up residence at Ziggy's Refuge Farm Sanctuary in Providence, North Carolina. Pet shelters are being emptied across the U.S. as more people foster and adopt during this time at home. A 99-year-old World War II veteran beats coronavirus in Brazil. A special ed teacher in Texas uses a stimulus check to make masks for students. Microsoft, UPS, and healthcare companies create an app so that you can donate masks to hospitals. A 17-year-old student in Cincinnati creates a website for grocery delivery during the pandemic. 
volunteers fixed 20,000 N95 masks that had broken elastic for a Memphis hospital in one weekend. And oil companies are collapsing, yay, but wind and solar energy keeps growing. Again, if you want more details about any of these headlines, they are linked in the show notes on our website, hippiehavenpodcast.com. And now for my conversation with Jamie about opening a zero waste store. I'm so excited. And there's Jamie. Yay. Hi. Hi. Yay. Welcome, everybody. Jamie, why don't you start us, start us off by telling us about you and your story and how you started the collective. Yes. So I'm Jamie Nicolino, and I am the owner and sole operator of um, Sustainable and Vegan Cruelty Free Shop here in Des Moines, Iowa, called The Collective. And um, I started this shop. Um, you know, my mission here is to really offer something to Des Moines that has not been available. Um, my personal zero waste minimalist vegan journey started uh, about two and a half years ago. I was newly sober and really decluttering everything in my life. Um, and in doing that, I stumbled upon, you know, my output. I wasn't just focusing on what I was putting into my body, but it made more sense to really look at my output as well. So in doing that, I learned about minimalism. Um, I used to have quite a bit of a shopping problem as well. So I was decluttering all of those things and just really, um, Live, started living with less in my life. And in doing that, I was buying a lot online because there weren't a lot of sustainable options here in Des Moines. Um, so I started researching and um, I took a couple of road trips. Um, I did spend some time in Colorado and went to a few shops there. So that's really kind of how some of my personal research started out in the field. And um, I just had a dream, a big dream, and I wanted to bring it to Des Moines. And I started doing pop-ups last year. Um, I'm sure Callie will talk about how we met a little bit. I'd love to cover that too. And um, Callie's been a big inspiration for me and has really, you know, she asked me point blank, what are you waiting for? And I was like, well, shoot, what am I waiting for? And that was, I think, some motivation that I needed to just do it. So um, if anyone is asking themselves, what are you waiting for right now, then just stop asking and just do it. Um, yeah. And that was a year ago this week. And like, yeah how far you've come and everything you've done since then incredible so yeah so it's been it's been a really beautiful journey uh this support here in des moines in the local area has been just absolutely overwhelming i think des moines was so ready to have a shop here and everyone is learning at the same time and myself included so i think that's one of the most beautiful things is we're all you know our journeys are continuing together and no one is perfect um perfection is really suffocating it is truly a journey so you know i think when you say one person can make a difference that's everything because we do one person makes a huge difference and then that one person sees somebody else do something and they see that and it just it's a trickle effect and it's beautiful Absolutely. Yeah. And Jamie and I have actually really similar stories too. Um, struggles with alcohol and just not living in alignment with our core values and really for a while not knowing what our core values were and, and getting distracted in life. Um, and then, you know, getting through that and, and doing so much personal development and uh, going vegan and finding about this this whole new lifestyle and just being so passionate about it. And, you know, so I started Bestowed Essentials um, 
Three years ago, I was 23 and I was active duty in the Navy and I was so unhappy and, you know, I was smoking and drinking and just trying to, to numb the, the nagging feeling inside of me that this wasn't what I was supposed to be doing with my life, that I, that I was unhappy. I didn't want to admit that because on the surface, my life looked amazing. Yes. Um, and yeah, you know, like Jamie just said, I was, I wanted to be perfect, but perfect was was suffocating, trying to keep up that facade. And um, soap making became a very strange hobby of mine. And, you know, I just fell in love with it. I found it so therapeutic. Um, and it's just grown so much since then in three years. And, you know, now our Bestowed Essentials products are stocked in over 150 stores around the U.S. and Canada, including Jamie's store, mm -hmm. The Collective Moines. Um, and we did, originally we had a very small storefront, um, in the front of our production studio, uh, in 2019. And then just last December, we opened up Hippie Haven Shop, which is a full on zero waste store. Um, we've got an amazing downtown location that I'm absolutely in love with. Um, and of course, both Jamie and I stores are closed to the public right now. <laughs> but we've had to do a major pivot and change of our business model in the last few weeks and, and moving more into online sales, doing curbside pickup and just navigating through this difficult time as everybody is. Um, but, you know, we wanted to come on here and talk to you guys about our experiences with opening a zero waste store and answer any questions that you have. I know mm -hmm. I get asked almost every day, somebody gets in touch with questions about opening Zero Waste Store. And Jamie, I'm sure you get a lot of questions as well. There's so many people who have this dream of doing it. And so any questions that you guys have pertaining to, um, you know, whether it's a business question, whether it's a Zero Waste question, anything, feel free to leave them in the comments and we'll make sure to scroll through and answer those. Yeah, if anyone has any questions, go ahead and you can type those in and we'll, we'll take a look at those. Um, but I'm gonna share just a little bit about the collective and kind of what what things look like here um being a small business owner obviously the times right now that we're in are very challenging and um i let's see the end of february i uh quit my full-time job i was still working full-time up until february and i quit my full-time job took a couple weeks off did some traveling and um, I was open in the shop, I think, for a week before I had to close my doors and, uh, you know, set in panic. It was, it was very scary. And, you know, I feel like I'm going to be okay. Um, part of that is because I live and work in the shop. So you can kind of see the stairs behind me. That's where I live upstairs. And then the store is downstairs. So like I said, I, I work and live in the same space. So, um, you know, my my, my rent is like half, which is great. So as a small business owner, uh, that worked for me. And like I said, I was still working full time and that really enabled me to financially support uh, the business when it was just growing versus, you know, having to take out tons of loans. Uh, I kind of financed things through, you know, having a full-time job Monday through Friday. And then I was only open certain hours um, couple of times during the week in the evenings and then on the weekends. So every week starting in September when I moved into the shop, my home here, uh, I would post weekly and let Des Moines know when I was going to have hours and it, it worked. And so people have been extremely supportive. Uh, if anyone has a dream to open a zero-way shop, there, there's no right or wrong way to do it and you can do it 
and and still you know support yourself um, through the, there's just a lot of different ways I think and small business is uh, I think it's a very unique thing there's no rule book <laughs> we all do it differently we wear so many hats and uh, you know I think that we learn from one another so it, it's if you message a small business owner most likely if they're passionate about what they do, they're going to respond to you. Uh, I had somebody message me probably the first month that I opened and she wanted to open her own zero waste shop. And so I jumped on a call with her immediately because I remember when I was that person and people, you know, responded and they were so excited and they, you know, said, let me know if I can help in any way. And, you know, I jumped on calls. I messaged people through Instagram. I asked them about products and how they kind of got accounts set up and it, it's, it's a great community and it's one that I think everyone should, if you're dreaming about it, don't, don't hesitate. Yeah. So it looks like we've already got a couple of questions so far, right before we jump into those. Um, you know, I think Jamie and I both have, we've been bootstrapping this ourselves. Um, Jamie, you don't have investors, do you? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So my entire first year of starting Bestowed Essentials, which uh, is a, a handmade production company, um, the entire first year I was still in the Navy and I was making $3,000 a month and I live really frugally too. So I spent a thousand on my bills, um, a thousand into savings and a thousand on the business. Um, and of course I blew through those savings very quickly. My, my first year as a full-time entrepreneur, which was 2018. Um, but this entire thing has, has been bootstrapped um, with a little bit of credit card debt um, mm -hmm. to get through that That's first how mine was too, Callie. Yeah. yeah, which I still have some sitting on a 0% card I was lucky to get. So I've got oh. you know, about six more months to get that paid down. But I never, I never had any sort of financial education. And so my first business credit card had 16% interest rate because um, I did not know what I was doing. And so, you know, I, I paid that. I did a balance transfer with a much lower credit card and, and paid that first one off. And now I'm working on that second one. Um, and so it is absolutely 100% possible to, to do it yourself. Um, if, if you have some sort of job or income in the first place, um, I, neither of us really have any, any expertise in, in starting a business from $0 <laughs> at all. I wouldn't know how to do that. I, I frankly, I don't think it's possible, um, to start without something still paying your bills. Um, and you know, that first year, 2018, when I was a full-time entrepreneur for the first time, we, you know, we had a net operating loss of $3,000 that year. So it usually takes a small business on average three to five years before mm -hmm. they become truly profitable. Um, so, okay. Our first question, do you carry bulk food or just personal care products, zero waste products? Both Jamie and I just carry personal care, like home goods. We don't do food. That's definitely something that um, I know I, personally I'm a little frightened about. Like ideally someday I would like to be in a, maybe a, a more community space where somebody else focuses on the food um, and, you know, I take on the rest of the things. Just there's a lot of regulations around food. Um, yeah. You know, I came from an event and food and beverage hospitality industry and, um, man, I just remember like when the health inspectors would come and everyone's on edge and it's, uh, the food is definitely a whole nother arena. If, if I stepped into that, I would need some um, additional guidance and support of someone who's more of an expert in that realm, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And the regulations are the exact reason why I didn't get into food either. Um, it's just, 
maybe in the future, I have this like dream of someday having like a zero waste marketplace. And so it's kind of just a collective. Me too. <laughs> yes, like a collective. And so we have like, you know, mm -hmm. the the apothecary and the personal care and a grocery store and, um, you know, a, a little yoga studio and a yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a thrift store and just like all of these circular economy type businesses along with like a daycare for all of the employees, kids mm -hmm. to be able to go to while they're at work and just a little like, urban garden and community compost, yes, all yes, the things. Compost, solar panels on the roof someday. That, that will take a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when starting out, um, I think it's easier to start out with, with um, non-edibles and maybe work your way into that once you have a good setting. But trying to do that on top of just opening a store and starting a business is just a lot of work to put on your shoulders. Um, next question, how do you know there's enough demand in the area? Ooh, I love this question. I think um, the best way to find out is to do events. Um, you know, start with a really small selection of products, go to like your farmer's market. If they let you, sometimes they like insist that you have to be making the products yourself, um, whatever type of events you can go to. That's, that's the best way to know if a brick and mortar is going to be successful is, is if you get a lot of loyal customers and there's a lot of demand from events alone. Jamie, what do you think? I completely agree. That's how I started. So I started doing pop-ups um, around this time last year. And, um, you know, if, obviously everything in, in my shop is vegan and, and cruelty-free. And so I was at a, a vegan fest. Um, and then I just started doing pop-ups at other small local businesses. So I talked to um, some other local business owners and I asked them if I could do a pop-up shop in their store. And we just collaborated. There's a lot of, um, I do want to do a shout out to all of the small businesses in Des Moines man, it's a great community. And we have just been really supporting one another. And, um, you know, we're constantly plugging each other and doing, I have so many collaborations this week coming up with some of my favorite small businesses. And, um, you know, if there's any kind of small business community, lean on each other. That is, you know, you, they already have people that love and support them. And so it's a great opportunity to, to really combine and, and do that together. So, um, I would highly recommend that. And, and that's how you know people will talk to you. Your customers will talk to you. And, you know, they will say, we've been waiting for this. And when they say that, it's like impossible to take the smile off your face because you're like, yes, I'm doing something right. Um, and then it just will happen. And that's when you take the leap. Uh, I didn't think that it, I thought it was like a five-year plan. I remember when I was talking to Callie about it. I remember then, you saying five-year plan. And I was like, why, Jamie? Why is it a five-year plan? And then like in August, I was, uh, no, it was the end of July and I'd probably done maybe six or seven pop-ups, maybe a little bit more. I also, I was at a music festival for a weekend and that was great. Um, and I was just on Instagram and, and started dabbling a little bit in Facebook. I didn't really have a website that was active. I wasn't selling anything online and, um, it just, the, the opportunity arose, the work live space really was my saving grace and that was my um, my leap that I took and it enabled me to, to start sooner than what I was planning on. And that's the perfect transition into our next question, which is definitely for you, Jamie. How do you find the right space for shop with living space above? You've got like the most gorgeous space. It's yeah. Perfect. I got so lucky. Look, <laughs> I'm look so grateful. Time. Yeah. 
So um, it's really a mess in here right now because I have boxes everywhere, but um, right over here, there's a curtain and I hung a curtain and behind there is my kitchen. So that is my, also my storage. Um, and then my bathroom is back there as well. So I have a little bit of shop storage in the bathroom. And then, like I said, the upstairs is my living quarters. Uh, maybe for lucky Sophie, my cat and partner will come down. Uh, she's been kind of napping today. So, you know, we get to see what they're doing all day and um, lots of napping, but I post a lot of pictures of her on, on Instagram. So, um, but yeah, I got really lucky. Uh, these spaces, there's three units in the building that I'm in that are work live. Literally Google work live spaces in whatever city or area you are from. Um, if there aren't any that exist, then, you know, if you have any relationships with, with builders, let them know, like, this is something that, that small business owners will support. And I've had so many people that are wanting to start a business reach out to me and say, how, you know, are there more of these? Um, there is another shopping district downtown Des Moines called the East Village, and there are some work-live spaces there. Um, most people start out, if they do work and live in the same space, eventually the business kind of takes over enough that they can just have the shop in the space and eventually move out. Um, so that would be, you know, obviously the dream, but, uh, you know, the, the footprint for a zero waste sustainable shop is, is fairly small. Um, you know, most of the products are pretty small. And so it enables you to, to fit a lot in a small space. So like I said, the shop down here is probably, I think a little, maybe a little 340 square feet, I think is the shop space. Um, but I have a lot of verticals. I have um, storage underneath my shelves. And so it, it, it allows me to make it work, but I'm already outgrowing the space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. What are your plans once you do outgrow it? Well, um, I've been doing a lot of dreaming lately and I, um, I would really like my next step. Um, I still want to cohabitate with the shop, but I, um, I haven't told anyone this except for my sister, but I want to, I want to purchase a home and I want to have the shop on the downstairs floor and on the upstairs, I would like to live and possibly have like a sustainable Airbnb option for people. And, um, you know, I really want to have green space and do some urban gardening and composting. And that would kind of allow everything, um, in a smaller scale of the larger market that we were kind of talking about, Callie, that would be, um, my next dream. So I'm hoping that that's, you know, somewhere on the horizon and, um, obviously with the economy the way it is right now and, you know, these unprecedented times, we just don't know what's going to happen in the next, um, you know, six months to a year, things are going to change. So, um, but I'm dreaming big on that and starting to make plans because again, if that opportunity shows up, you have to jump at it. Just take the leap. Yeah. Our next question is asking about food wholesalers um, in bulk, which neither Jamie and I are really uh, able to, to answer very much because neither of us sell bulk foods. Um, off the top of my head, I know that there's Frontier Co-op, Azor Standard. Yeah. That's in Oregon, though, but they do deliver across the country. Um, Frontier is... They're in I mean, Iowa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're in Iowa. I do... Um... They also, they have a lot of, uh, it's because the co-op, they have a lot of other businesses. So I purchased some of my goods from them now. Um, and then their, their products, like their spices and everything are in all of the stores here in Iowa. So I do a lot of, um, you know, a lot of my shopping uh, with them. Their products are really nice. So they have a good selection. I think there's also, I think it's literally just called natural foods. 
Um, yeah, I think you're right. That, they have a warehouse right here in Rapid City. So mm -hmm. that's in the Midwest. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have better answers than yeah. that. Sorry. Um, I know that the, the other option for that would definitely be to look to local farms for, um, uh, you know, for seeing yeah. like fresh vegetables and fruits and those kinds of things. Um, there is another zero waste shop called Exist Green and they are in um, Omaha. They would be someone to reach out to for that as well as Tear Market that's in Minneapolis. Um, they have bulk uh, grocery yeah. there as well. Yeah, they both do food and they have beautiful shops and yeah. they both stock the stone essentials. Yeah. So. Um, the pandemic is frankly crushing dreams, especially because we are entering another recession. Yeah. Any thoughts or advice who has this dream in the back of her mind that feels like it's a terrible time? Um, I think first and foremost, and, and this is just what I think all the time. I know that right now is a really difficult time, but I do strongly believe that if you have a dream in your heart, it was put into your heart for a reason because you are capable of bringing fruition. Um, and I think... Yeah, the, the economy right now is going to shit, and we have no idea how this is going to look. Um, the government has just been failing small businesses in the last few weeks. Um, so, so the financial side, I'm not sure. I do think right now is a time of massive transition where people are rethinking mm -hmm. um, their, their mindsets and their consumption habits, and I think that... Uh, sustainability will come out stronger than ever from this. And I think that this is also showing that if we can take immediate action for the COVID crisis, we can absolutely take immediate action for the climate crisis. Um, and I know none of us climate activists are going to stop talking about the climate crisis and how important it is. And, and so I think this is actually um, a, a really powerful time to be moving into the sustainability field because I think it's only going to grow from here. So, you know, if you have the financial privilege to start a business, I would recommend to at least start putting out feelers, at least get started, start doing the research, um, start taking the first steps. Um, if, if you are able to do so, I, I think that you should. Jamie, what are your thoughts? I completely agree. Um, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity too through after this crisis, um, which, you know, isn't something to think of it in, in, a, in a negative way, but, you know, with every downturn, there's always, there's always a, a new sunrise, you know, there's always something that's going to be available to you that maybe wasn't there before. Um, so that's really a time to have your ducks in a row to know what you want and to chase after that dream. So, um, you know, start doing your research now, as Callie said, and, and I think that we're in a really unique place as sustainable businesses. Uh, you know, we're, we're essential. You know, we offer things that people, there's a demand for, and the more people that are paying attention and the more, you know, audience that you can reach and ask questions and, and challenge the status quo and, and, you know, we have the most power as consumers and we have a voice and, um, send those letters to those senators and tell your governor what you want. And, you know, this is the time they, they, uh, you know, they're just in as much of a crisis as we all are. So, uh, and you know, there's elections coming up, so it's a time to, to pay attention and, and to believe in yourself and just, just fucking go for it. Yes. I'm going to take a second too to plug, um, 
If you go look at the Bestowed Essential, Bestowed Essentials, I swear I know how to say my own business name, Bestowed Essentials Instagram stories, I posted a swipe up to a really easy, it takes less than a minute to submit um, a letter to your local representatives urging them to provide small businesses with more funding during this crisis. Um, the last round, they, they funded $350 billion and it went to only 7% of small businesses in the US. 93% of small businesses have been neglected by the government in the last four or five weeks of this crisis. So go to the Bestowed Essentials Instagram stories, swipe up, fill out that form in like 60 seconds to send it to your local reps to tell them to do something because small businesses, you know, they need support now more than ever, especially. Absolutely. Um, now our next question, why does it do this? I like touch it and it goes all the way back down to the bottom. Um, where was it? It was from Raina. Hi, Raina. Yeah. Where is it? I see it here. Okay, so do you ever find that having a completely, sorry, I have to get really close. My eyes are terrible. Um, do you ever find that having a completely online zero waste store, there could be a more sustainable and successful option? I think it could potentially be a more sustainable option because you won't have the overhead costs of a brick and mortar store. You are still gonna have overhead costs though, of wherever you're storing and shipping things from. Um, and you can always make your brick and mortar more sustainable by offsetting, doing mm -hmm. carbon emission offsets, renewable energy credits. Um, so I think it really just depends on how you're running an online store or a brick and mortar store. You could do either one very unsustainably or you could do it sustainably. Um, as for success, I, I don't know. Um, we, I, we're in a very a small town in the Midwest, a pretty rural region in general. Um, and, you know, we've had a really, really successful online store for a long time. And then we started making that same amount every month once we opened up our brick and mortar store, like as soon as we opened. And so, you know, that's doubled our income. So for us, it's, it's been 50-50. So Jamie, what do you think? Because you, you started as a brick and mortar and now you're just going online. Yeah, I'm just going online. So, you know, online business was, I was pushing. I did not want to do shipping, um, mainly because, you know, I it really, I was just being stubborn. I'll just be honest. I just didn't want to ship things. I didn't want to wear that hat. Um, and it hasn't been bad. You know, it's, um, I mean, I know how to ship. Uh, I worked in the event industry and we did incentive travel, which that was a whole nother ball game. Um, but you know, we shipped things all over the world. And so I really knew like how I, I know, have the knowledge to know how to properly package things. Um, but in that same regard, you know, it's, it's a lot of waste. Like I've literally every day after shipping, even though I'm using, you know, repurposed goods, I still have waste. I miswrite someone's name on the little card, you know, that I put inside. And so I have to recycle that piece of paper and the backs that, you know, the sticker backs from all of the shipping labels, you know, there's, there's waste. And, um, I have a solution for that. Yeah. The office supply box. They take the back of shipping label and product label and they'll recycle them. Yeah. Right. That was a huge source of waste for us. And then we found the TerraCycle office supply box and that has just eliminated so much. We buy, it is expensive. Like this yeah. is just another expense, but it's, you know, what you got to do if you want to be like super sustainable and, and zero waste, we buy the large box and we shove that in there. Like we will jump on it and, and push it down further to pack it as full. <laughs> it cost us about a year. So yeah, that's an option for that. 
So yeah, shipping has definitely been, you know, different. Um, luckily, when you know, when you're constantly getting inventory in and, and you're purchasing things from sustainable businesses, you know, everything that they're using is already reused. Like when I get a box from Cali episode essentials, I know that it's reused and then I'm going to take those items and I'm going to repurpose them into the packages that I'm shipping out to people as well. Um, so it's, it's this beautiful cycle and, um, you know, it's, it's really neat to know that I'm contributing to that, uh, as well. And, you know, when, when I have an influx of boxes, I do a post and I ask other small businesses or anyone that's moving, do you need these before I send them to the recycle? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's constant. And, and I think the shipping, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a necessary thing that we have to do, at, especially at this point in, in the business. So, yeah, something I just thought of with, with Raina's question about, you know, if an online store is more sustainable, I was talking about environmental sustainability, but I think personal sustainability is important too. Um, what fits better in your life? Do you want to be essentially tied down to a brick and mortar store and having to work these specific hours? Or do you want the, the flexibility that comes with being an online only store? You know, do you want to, you could dabble, see if, if you want to try it, but not go full into it. So that way you don't have that strong of a commitment. I think knowing what you personally can, can sustain is really important as well and, and not just jumping in um, and moving too fast. So then our next question, how is the process of finding suppliers for your store? Mine almost all comes from networking, which I should have said earlier when, when Jamie was talking about all the small businesses in Des Moines that you're working with, networking, you cannot succeed in business without networking. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my suppliers are just people that, that I've met or become Instagram friends with, um, you know, people that I've done partnerships or giveaways or collaborations. Um, I pretty much find just about everybody through Instagram or sometimes through an in-person event, like, which is how I met Jamie. Yeah. Um, so essentially that's how Jamie found me as one of her suppliers. And so, yeah, it, it's really, this is still such a small community, especially like zero waste community is growing, but the zero waste business side of it is still mm -hmm. so small. And I'm pretty sure I, I know like the first name of every single zero waste business, at least 80% of every single zero waste business owner in the country. Cause there's so few of us. So. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, you know, one thing that, that, that I realized is, I mean, I was buying a lot of these products and um, you know, so I was personally buying them through my own journey. And then I was just like, gosh, there's nowhere to buy these locally. I want to have an opportunity to provide this service. If I'm buying them, then other people will be buying them. So, um, you know, in, in my year and a half journey, I was personally purchasing a lot of the products and, um, you know, being vegan, you know, purchasing vegan and cruelty free products too. that, that kind of segments you even into a further category. And so there's, you know, there's not all the zero waste shops are vegan and cruelty free. A lot of them do carry those products. Um, but that kind of segmented me further to, to really know, you know, which brands I wanted to support, um, and really do your research on, um, you know, what, what boxes they're checking for you. So you have to figure out what those important boxes are first. And that kind of allows you to segment, you know, where your list of suppliers may be. And if you're able to, to travel and go to some of those shops, um, like I said, you know, I went to Colorado and I went to Zero Market. I went to Refill Revolution. I went to Joy Fill in, um, in Denver as well. And so I went to all those shops and, um, 
just kind of checked them out. And, you know, I purchased some things that I hadn't seen before just to kind of test them and do some, you know, market research on my own. And um, yeah, it was, it was great. So if you have that opportunity, um, definitely, you know, if you're traveling anywhere, not anytime soon, of course, but, um, you know, do a Google, or if you're not following, do a Google, do a search and see if, you know, there's any shops um, or any markets that are going to be coming up that you might be able to access some of those places. Yeah, I, Jamie and I are actually some of the few zero waste stores that are also 100% vegan and cruelty free. Um, yeah, but a, a lot of zero waste stores are selling the same, if not similar mm -hmm. products, because mm -hmm. there are so few zero waste makers. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really easy to go on the website of another zero waste store and, and see what they're selling. And it, especially too, like your market research gets so easy if, if their website like lets you sort by bestseller or something. Oh yeah. What's working for them. <laughs> yeah. You know, then there's nothing wrong in, in doing that either. You know, you should never go and like copy everything that a business mm -hmm. is doing, but that is what you do when you're starting a store is you see what's already available. Um, I'm going to skip the next question, but come back to it because the following one relates to the same topic. How did you guys decide on what brands to carry um, and what was the process of getting bulk stock into the stores? So like Jamie just said, the box, you know, what boxes they check. So plastic free, vegan, cruelty free. Um, for me, for my store, we have really strict standards. I think Jamie does too on ingredients and making sure that it's all natural and doesn't have a bunch of toxic um, crap in it that, you know, if you don't want to put that on your body, essentially. And since there are all natural alternatives, since there are cruelty-free alternatives, that's what I choose to stock specifically. Um, the brands, yeah, so so making sure that they check those boxes. Another thing that Hippie Haven is known for is that we prioritize female-owned companies. Um, that is a huge box for us. Over 70% of the items that we stock are made by American female-owned businesses. Um and yeah, and then I think it also comes down from there for me on personal relationships. I do, you know, look through their Instagram page, see how long they've been in business, look at their customer reviews. That's so important. Test it out before placing an order for their hundreds of dollars. Um, and then, you know, once I do find a maker, just look on their website for, for wholesale. It's usually in their shop or about or at the bottom in the footer. Or if you can't find any information about wholesaling, to just email them directly and ask them what their wholesale process is and then just place an order however it is that they accept orders. Yeah, that was uh, – so the first pop-up I did was uh, Earth Day last year. And um, I started the whole process um, – literally like three or four weeks before the event. And so I was uh, sitting down with, with some friends and sorry, I have a friendly I client. remember you asking me to rush your order. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. And then remember Callie got lost or it got damaged and lost. And so oh we didn't God, have did. it. And then you had to pick it up from the post office the day of the event. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that was crazy. Yeah, so, you know, don't be afraid to, to, to ask for a, a Hail Mary pass from people if you're in one of those situations because, yeah. you know, we've, we've all been there and um, God, it feels cool to be able to say that now. Um, but, you know, we, it's, 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 it's a journey owning a business and starting a business and there's no right or wrong way to do it and you will make lots of mistakes along the way and, you know, from every, their challenges and opportunities and, um, you know, it's, there's, 
there's, it's a journey just like sustainability is just like, you know, life is and don't beat yourself up. Give yourself lots of grace, lots and lots of grace and be able to laugh, you know, after the fact. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whenever something like just ridiculous or frustrating happens, I actually write it down on a note, uh, the note app in my phone. Cause I'm like, this is going to be great content for an autobiography (laughs) someday. Yes. Um, how long did the process take from deciding you wanted to start the business to the first day of business? I'll be honest. I don't think I ever decided to start a business. It just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I just enjoyed making soap and then I was giving it away to all my friends and they were like, okay, we have like a year's worth of soap. Like we can't take anymore. Maybe you should try selling it. And I was like, okay, I'll try selling it. And then got on Etsy and then started doing events. And it, I really don't think there was ever a conscious decision. It was just kind of something that I enjoyed doing. And then I, I knew that I was getting out of the military soon and I needed to be doing something with my life. And I was like, well, this is fun. I, I, I did make the conscious decision. I said, I'll give myself one year. I give myself exactly 365 days to try this thing out. I have no idea if I'm going to be successful selling vegan handmade soaps because um, there's so many soap makers, but I give myself a year. And if that doesn't work, then I'll go get a real job, as some of my family members called it, um, and it worked. So I'm still doing it. Yeah, so my my process, um, I, I think I kind of mentioned it earlier, it was, you know, I was having coffee with friends, and, and why, why don't you just do it? And then we just did it, and um, it was like a three-week turnaround, and, and there was, you know, some some transition and, and change of mission and rebranding that, that did occur as well. Um, so, you know, throughout that process, I had so many learnings, and, and I really figured out, you know, what, what I wanted my personal brand to be and what, um, you know, I, I always knew that I wanted something, but I was still kind of figuring out what that something was and the collective um, for me, it's, it's a journey is what it is. It's building a community here in Des Moines. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm sober. And so my sobriety is carried very much into what I do um, on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, I keep a clear head and, and I feel things. And, you know, sometimes um, you just need, you just need a day and you just need to, to not do anything, um, especially through all of these times. So like, like I said, giving yourself grace through the process, um, it's going to look different for everybody and um, just figure out what that different is for you and keep evolving it, you know, keep writing things down, figure out uh, what things matter to you and then move forward on those things. Yeah. I, that's one of my favorite things about being my own boss is being able to set my own hours and I can take a mental health day if I need to, which is so, so important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, that is a great thing. Um, let's see. Somebody said that Marcus sounds like heaven. We're so far behind on these questions. Uh, if you don't make things, where do you source? I think we've already answered that pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. about finding suppliers. How do you balance competition, other businesses with same business model in your area with coexistence that there are more people taking action? Um, well, we are the only zero waste store in the entire state. So we don't have any competition. Um, locally, there's a ton of other online zero waste stores and there's other, like for our production business, there's other um, companies that make similar products. Um, I think... I think community collaboration over competition is so important. Um, 
we are stronger together and we shouldn't be trying to compete with each other. Um, but, you know, as a business, I guess you, you have to make sure that you stay afloat. And mm -hmm. so, you know, just having something that makes you stand out. Um, you know, I think even if another, because I don't think, is there another zero waste store in Des Moines? So there's um, one that's going to be opening in Ames. I don't know if, if a lot of people know yet. Um, they were supposed to be opening, I think this, like, around Earth Week. Um, it's ZW Mercantile. And um, I the owner actually came into the shop um, when we could still allow people into the shop. And we chatted a little bit. And we've chatted quite a bit. I'm super excited. Uh, like you said, collaboration over competition, Callie. I think that's just it. And, you know, it's everyone is everyone is looking for something different in, in their shopping and, and sustainable experience. And I think that building your brand, your personal brand is important in that regard. Um, you know, I, I am the face of this shop. I'm the only one that works here. So when people come here, they see me and Sophie and, you know, they're, they're building, I'm building relationships with them when they come in. And that's, that's the brand. That's the business that I wanted to create is create a community build a collective of people and, and really kind of grow through that. So I think when you're doing your branding, like that's, that's, what's going to set you apart. Um, and so, you know, be confident in whatever that is and, and carry that through, through everything, um, you know, through the, the things you, your content that you put out on Instagram and Facebook and, um, you know, personally, you need to, you need to carry those things through as well. So um, that's, I think building your brand is just, that's, what's going to set you apart. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Like I have a very strong personal brand as well. And, you know, our store alone is set apart by our strict standards on ingredients and being all vegan and cruelty free. The number of community events that we normally do when we can having our podcast um, and then just people knowing me, you know, I'm a hippie in a van. I'm, I'm that <laughs> zero waste girl that lives in a van and has two zero waste businesses. Like people know that and, and they associate me with, with both of those. And so that sets us apart too. Um, the, the one other thing I, I have is like, I have been at VegFest before where there was another zero waste um, store selling there too. And I got in touch with her ahead of time and asked her what she was planning on bringing to the event. Um, and then just made sure that we were both bringing different things. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, we, there, she brought a, she had a lot of things that she brought that we didn't stock at all and then vice versa. And so between the two of us, we were able to provide really comprehensive, sustainable options to the guests that were in attendance. So it's all about and the cloud. Callie, I think that you mentioned this too. I just want to say one more thing about this question. Um, from a sustainability standpoint, we need more. And so we really need to encourage others to, to do what we're doing um, and to really, as consumers, you know, we want to be more accessible for people. So, you know, having a shop um, down the street or 30 miles away, it's going to be more accessible for more people. And then more people are going to get involved in this. And that's, that's the goal. Um, yeah. and so really like, I feel like competition in our business is very different, um, for any, anyone else, because if, if you're truly mission-based, which for the most part, I really hope that everyone that is in this field is mission-based. There's a lot of greenwashing that happens. Um, but if you're doing a brick and mortar small business, you should be mission-based. And um, I think that that's what sets us apart uh, from, from the competition aspect. There's always going to be a little friendly, oh man, they did that better than me. Or, oh, I should have posted that yesterday. They got it ahead of me. 
Um, but it's, it's going to just generate more creativity on your end. So it's yes. a little competition is good. It pushes you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm seeing a lot of questions about wholesale relationships. I'm actually, Jamie, if you're okay with it, I'm going to skip some of these so that we can answer some of the other ones. Yeah. I'm going to be doing a zero, uh, uh, Instagram live, uh, later this week two Instagram lives actually about um, improving your wholesale strategy. Um, and so that's talking more about the maker side of it and you know how to reach out to retailers and how to cultivate wholesale relationships and how to get your products in stores. And then another one um, between uh, me and an another business owner who is both a maker and a retailer. And so we're gonna be talking about both sides of it and everything to do with wholesale and those. Um, so I wanna make sure that Jamie and I are prioritizing like zero waste brick and mortar questions. Um, what products do you suggest to start out stocking if you start doing pop-ups first? Um, I would say the basics, you know, yeah. the essentials. Yeah. What Make sure you go into stores like uh, health foods, co-ops, that sort of thing, because they usually do have at least a tiny selection mm -hmm. of like dish brushes or something. So see mm -hmm. what is already available locally in your town. Make sure that you're not trying to sell that same thing um but yeah the the essentials are the place to start the things that pretty much everybody needs and the things that you can speak to highly you know the things that that you started with your sustainable journey yeah. so the startup yeah. kids i think are key yes definitely that that is a good place to start is stuff that you already have experience using once you do get really big it might be impossible for for you have to directly try every single thing i haven't tried every single thing in my shop no. but one of my employees has at least so, um, all right, let's see other questions. Top three selling products. Um, do you know off the top of your head? Um, honestly, I don't because things have shifted. It's so interesting since I've gone on online, uh, selling things online, like the business flips. And so people are buying different things. Like I've sold out of some things that have literally been sitting on my shelves since I opened and they're gone now. And so yeah. the online business is so different. So I would have to really look um, and see, but, you know, I think some of the essentials and, and obviously right now, like uh, my e-coffee cups used to be one of the more popular items. I haven't sold one since, you know, the last two months because of no one's going anywhere. So they don't need travel coffee cups anymore. It's not an essential right now. Um, obviously the soaps are, are flying out the doors right now. Um, toothbrushes, you know, it's something that people are always going to need. Um, uh, uh, my menstrual cups do really well also, as well as my other menstrual products. Um, yeah, I, it, it's, it's tough right now because there's, there's just the essentials for people have shifted. Uh, so. Okay. I have my answer. I had to look at my shelves to remember, um, liquid shampoo. We sell plain products um produce bags and bamboo toothbrushes are what mm -hmm. sell the the top three best sellers in store brick and mortar those don't sell like almost at all online though online dish soap 100 percent our best seller online oh which uh, by the way the dish soap that everyone loves here at the collective is bestowed essentials and we have an order coming in that they were packing up today um so i know a couple of you have asked when we're going to have that back in order back in stock so it should be coming probably by the end of the week i would think i would think so yeah Chesca yeah. just got that package up today it didn't get out the door today but it did get boxed up today <laughs> um yeah online would be dish soap uh charcoal mint tooth powder and 
uh, shampoo bars. Mm -hmm. Those sell really well online too, but then they don't sell. People prioritize the liquid shampoo in store yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, did you it, write business? No, I did not either. So, okay. That is like the one thing that I thought I had to have done. And so when, when I, you know, met with other small business owners, I was like, well, I don't have a business plan. Like when I talked to Callie, I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And it's like, well, are you, are you going to be going to a bank and asking for a loan? If you're not, then figure it out as you go and just know what your mission is. And that can evolve and change as you're growing too. Um, Callie, I know that, you know, your, your business, you posted some photos of like your old soaps, um, not too long ago and talked about the evolution of your business. And, and, and that's going to happen like over the first few years, you're going to, you're going to figure things out that you're more passionate about and that your community needs more. And so it's going to shift, especially I think in those first couple of years of business. Um, now don't, don't not write a business plan just because we didn't write a business plan. I think we were in pretty unique opportunities, uh, you know, that we still had some income coming in that we were able to, to supplement and we didn't have to take financing out. So I think that that was a unique um, situation. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, I haven't talked about this on, on Instagram yet, um, but myself and one of my employees actually had an amazing idea for a really needed um sustainability related business that we're planning on starting um probably at the end of this year and for that i'm going to write a business plan um but i will probably also have to ask for bank funding for that because it's a lot of equipment up front um but you know bestowed essentials and hippie haven for both of my my existing two businesses didn't write a business plan i've really i'm an intuition based person mm -hmm. so a lot of my decision my my business decisions are based off of the money in my bank account and what I can afford right now and my intuition. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, I don't think that a business plan is necessarily necessary, but I can't speak for everything. I do. I'm a huge proponent of visualization and manifestation though. So I don't think that you should just completely fly by the seat of your pants whatsoever. I think that you need to know in general what your goals are and, you know, don't be afraid to dream big. Like for Jamie and I both, a store was like a five-year plan. Maybe we'll get to it someday kind of thing. And then it <laughs> happened a year later. Like, like four months. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It happened so fast for you. Six like months. don't, yeah, don't be afraid to, to dream big. Mm -hmm. Um, don't limit yourself, but then also be realistic. Yeah. And gotta find balance. Yeah. And, and Callie's note about, um, manifestation and, Literally, the universe is so beautiful. And if you take care of your vessel and you are putting good energy out into the world, it will come back. Um, you know, I never, I, I, I never used to believe the everything happens for a reason and, you know, good things will happen if you just open your heart and let things, I didn't believe any of it because I wasn't allowing positive things in my life because I was clouded by substances and, and negative energy. And when I removed all of that, it was like, good thing, good thing, good thing, good thing. And, um, you know, I've had many talks with my therapist and she's like, you do things very quickly now. And I'm like, I know it's just all these good things just keep happening. And, and there's a lot of bad things too. And there's a lot of dark days and, and, you know, you have to work through those, but when you accept good things into your life, when you believe that you are worthy of good things in your life, you will start accepting them and taking the opportunity to achieve greatness. And I, I truly believe that. Yeah. And y'all, this isn't some woo woo crazy hippie <laughs> shit. It's proven. It is true. 
It is true. It is proven. Like visualization, uh, you know, envisioning these, the like attracts like, you know, good positive thoughts are going to attract good positive actions. But if you're focused, if you're always negative and you're always focused on the worst possible outcome, that's going to happen. That's going to come into your life. So this is a whole nother topic. This is totally yes. a whole nother topic. Yeah. I do have an entire episode about manifesting for beginners on the Hippie Haven podcast. It was one of the very first episodes I ever did. Um, so if, if you've like barely ever heard of this before and you want to learn more, I'd recommend to go check that out. Um, our next question is, how do you pick a location? Is it best to start off with an online store? Um, I do think that an online store is a good way to get your feet wet. It might not work for everybody though, just because there are so many online stores already. So how do you stand out? You know, you need to have something that makes you unique to stand out online. Um, I think, and we've already talked about this, the best way to start off is probably by doing pop-ups mm -hmm. and events. Yeah. Uh, and especially if your end goal is to open a brick and mortar store, you have to do events to figure mm -hmm. out the demand and what people want. And if there's going to be enough customers for you. Yeah. And as far as like, a, you know, so selecting a location, uh, I feel like mine kind of selected me, but I, I had a couple criteria. Like I knew um, I wanted to be downtown. I wanted to be in Des Moines proper. I didn't want to have a West Des Moines location, which is a very Des Moines thing to say. Those of you who are from Des Moines will understand that. Um, but I just, I, I, I'm a downtown person. I wanted to live and work downtown and that fit my business model of whatever I thought it was. Um, foot traffic is important. So when you're looking at an actual location, you know, just be mindful of where the people are. Um, however, you know, I live, uh, my, I'm the only retail business that's on this whole area of downtown in Des Moines. And there's a restaurant coffee shop that's down the street, but I'm also on the main route to the farmer's market. So in the summers on Saturday mornings, it is hopping. There's tons of people. So I open early. So just be mindful of where things are going on. And, um, you know, obviously budget comes into play too. So. Yeah. I foot traffic for brick and mortar is like the most important thing. Um, our, our first, storefront was it was just like the front room of our production studio which was in the industrial part of town because it was mainly for production and manufacturing um, and there was zero foot traffic the only people who came into our store were people who heard about us and like were intentionally coming there um, and then the road was full of potholes and people got lost really easily because it was this weird little side road it was not a good location for for retail whatsoever it was super cheap and fantastic for production mm -hmm. um, but so when we decided to really be serious about a, a true retail store like a dedicated retail store we knew we had to be downtown because that's where the shopping is. That's where the foot traffic is here in Rapid City is downtown. Um, and then just me personally, ever since I was a little girl, I'd always, I had no idea what I wanted it to be, but I had always seen this brick building with hardwood floors and white walls and just this big open space. I'd always seen it in my head and never knew what it was supposed to be for. And then after months of just like randomly browsing Craigslist and whatever, like, the mental image that's been in my head for 20 years <laughs> on Craigslist. And I was like, and I was in California at the time too. I was doing an event tour. All, I remember all when this summer. happened. Yeah, I was doing an event tour and I flew back to Rapid City to come look at this. I had to come back here anyway because I had an event that I was speaking at in the Midwest. But like I took a pit stop in Rapid City. I wasn't planning on coming back here directly. I was going to a different town to look at this property in person and loved it and signed the lease like 20 minutes afterwards. Like, um, I think when you know, you know. Yeah. 
So I, again, just kind of went off my intuition. Do either of you have employees? I do. I have four right now. Um, one of them is furloughed for the time being because she was our expansion coordinator and we're not really doing any expansion for the foreseeable future now. Um, but yeah, I, um, because we do production, the Soda Essentials, we run the store, we do so much online shipping. I have a podcast. I do a lot of events. I can't believe I you do, do a lot all of all you do with only four. Like, it's crazy to me. It's, well, it's because they each have very dedicated yeah. jobs and what they're focused on. So I would you have not a great be, team. Oh my God, I do. I do. I absolutely do. I wouldn't be able to do all these things without them for sure. Um, so here it's, it's just me. Um, which is great because, you know, I, I mean, I live here too. And, and now that I'm full time in the shop, um, I mean, it is small in here. And those of you who are from Des Moines and you've been in the shop, I mean, when there's like a few clusters of people, you have to wait to, it, it, it'll, you, it's forced social distancing here or social acceptance, I will say here. When people walk in and it's like, you know, there's a few groups of people and I'm like, you know, everyone is friends in this shop. So you have to just throw your personal space out the window because it's small. And yeah, so, um, you know, it's just me. Someday, obviously, I, I would love to, to have a larger space and, and to employ um, some people as well. So me and Sophie, I will keep Sophie involved because she... You know, she's, uh, she's the spokesperson, really. <laughs> I see we have another comment about consignment. Um, I don't. That is way too much yeah. of a headache to keep track of. I buy it and pay for it up front. Um, yeah, that's what I do as well. Yeah. Oh, hi, I, Andrew. <laughs> I think consignment is kind of dying out. I, I don't think it's a very efficient business model at all. Jamie, do you want to move this to a new video? Yeah, let's do it. Looks like we have a few comments to say to, to continue. Um, and then I think we still had some other maybe questions that were, were written in, Callie. Yep. Okay. Yay, we're back. Okay, so some of the questions that somebody emailed in that I want to make sure that we answer too. What are some of the costs associated with starting a store? Um, a shit ton that you wouldn't even <laughs> know to budget for. <laughs> When you see your expenses after, so I mean, I, I started buying stuff in like, I think probably the end of July. Well, I mean, for pop-ups, I, I mean, even for pop-ups, I had to buy so much stuff. Um, and I think Callie and I have very similar mindsets in that, that we look secondhand first. Um, so, you know, I had things late. More stores don't do. It actually kind of frustrates I, me. I think a true, like zero waste should be about secondhand before like all this fancy new Instagram. Yeah. That's just, that's just me. So there's definitely, you know, some things, um, I'm, I'm lucky I have a lot of, there's a lot of great small businesses that, you know, um, I would buy some thrifted things from. So I was able to support small businesses in the area as well as get reused. Um, I have, you know, my family, my, my parents, um, the chair I'm sitting on was my grandfather's and it was handed down to my dad and then to me and, you know, I have some other pieces in here that have been in our family for a long time that um, I just kind of repurposed and reused in different ways. I did have to buy some new stuff. And that was, it was always like gut-wrenching when I had to buy new things, especially when I had to buy them from certain places. Like I had to buy some containers from the container store. I was just like, oh, you know, I didn't want to do it. But um, there's certain things that I needed certain vessels for. And so, again, giving yourself grace during that time is important. Um, but to have a financial plan for how much you need to buy and you, you just have to buy it, you don't have an option. So, 
Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest surprises that I had is, is in op opening my first year and then like calculating all those expenses and seeing them line items. And you're like, holy shit, I spent that much money. <laughs> and it's like, then you're, you're negative for the first year and you're like, okay, well th that happened. Yeah. Is okay. Hold on. Side note, Molly's cupcakes. Is that where we went? Yes. Vegan cupcakes. Yeah, yes, I think that is where we went. Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. god. Oh, go there. Go to Molly's Cupcakes. Yes. They have amazing vegan cupcakes. Jamie took me there when I was in Des Moines a year ago. So I don't know if the owner's name is actually Molly, but hi, Molly. <laughs> um, so uh, the cost, I think when we opened up our new store in December, um, I think I spent close to $10,000. Um, and that is with buying all of the furniture and um, decoration, everything was secondhand. The only things that we bought new, um, we did buy, we have a ton of plants. We have over 60 plants in our store. We did buy a few like new, but we saved them from the clearance shelf at like Lowe's or Walmart um, because they were going to be thrown away and they were kind of, they needed TLC. Um, we bought like our alarm system. We bought new um um, the, the credit card processing hardware we bought new, um, the TerraCycle recycling boxes were big upfront expense, and that's just an expense that we continue to absorb as a community service, um, but, like, literally everything else was thrift store, donated, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, like, um, estate and we got, sales. I got some stuff at estate yeah. sales, which were great. Yeah, we got so many amazing things. We happened to find six identical black metal shelves um, on, I don't remember, secondhand somewhere. Six identical shelves for $200, which is really cool. Um, the person who's saying that they're going, this live will be available for 24 hours. So yeah. make sure you watch it in the next 24 hours. After that, we will be posting it on the Hippie Haven podcast on Wednesday. Um, hopefully, <laughs> the Skype audio recorded decently. I know. I was just nodding. It's still recording, so hopefully the quality is okay. Um, yeah, so most of that $10,000 was product, you know, mm -hmm. just buying so much new stuff to stock our shelves. That is where the majority of the money went. Um, and then I would say that the second highest expense was probably plants, <laughs> which is hilarious. But we yeah. just we love plants so much, so we got a lot off of Craigslist and, and Facebook, too. Um, you also have to keep in mind, you know, um, rent, deposit, a lot of places require you to do first and last months plus a security deposit. So that can be a really huge expense up front. Um, the shelving is going to be a huge expense. We lucked out so much to get shelving for $200. That's like, oh yeah, that's huge. Heard of. Yeah. Um, if you know anybody who, uh, is like a carpenter, have them build you wood shelves with reclaimed wood. I think that would be the, the most affordable and the most sustainable option using something that, that already exists. And if you're able to do anything yourself, um, do it. Uh, that's yeah. going to save a lot too. You know, that's the hard thing is, is, is the time, uh, you know, gets brought in and there's some things that like you, you just can't learn how to do, or you can't, you know, you just, you just have to fork up the money because, um, it's, you know, you're at a time crunch. And so, yeah. um, but just remember that like, you know, th there's obviously like, there's things in, in my shop now that like the, the this thing behind me, the space, I had a custom, um, 
kind of cabinet built uh, just last month uh, or six weeks ago. It was right before I reopened and because I was carrying larger bulk quantities of things and I needed more space. So things will evolve and change. So if you can buy, you know, go, go small initially, if you're able to do that, because things, your business is going to change within that first year. And so, you know, investing in all these brand new custom pieces right away, you might outgrow them sooner than you think. And then what are you going to do with them? You know, and it wasn't a, a, a wise investment. So think about, just give yourself some time to figure out what you really need. Um, you know, I bought some things that I thought were going to work and they didn't. And so now I'm, I've had to figure out how to repurpose them in some way because I, I acted too quickly. I didn't wait to really see what I needed. Yeah. I would say another really big expense is your signage, your, your outdoor signage. Yeah. We, I wanted to be more sustainable. Um, we looked at having a sign custom made and installed with reclaimed wood um, from a locally torn down barn and it was almost $3,000. And I was like, yeah, no. Um, so we ended up going with a metal sign and spent about $500 for, for the creation and the installation. Um, but that was still, that was a huge chunk. And then on top of that too, we're in a historic building. So we had to go through this whole process and application with the city historic review department, whatever, ahead of time too. So there's so many rules and regulations and restrictions that you don't even know of. Um, oh, the other cost associated with starting up parking because we are downtown um you have to pay for parking so i paid eight hundred dollars for my two employees to be able to park for six months so eight hundred dollars every six months for two employees wow. yeah so that's a, a really big expense um mm -hmm. yeah that one was frustrating um okay questions that we've got the live is being recorded to watch later. We are open for less than a month because we had to close because of coronavirus. How can we make sure to market the online store to keep the buzz going for when the brick and mortar opens back up? That is such a good question right now. Um, I've, I've found that um, new product and, and, and keeping people engaged um, through creative collaborations, I think is going to be key. So, um, you know, there's a lot of businesses in, in Des Moines right now that are, they're stepping out, doing different things. You know, there's coffee shops doing deliveries and they're, um, you know, they're, they're pairing it with really fun and creative other businesses, uh, you know, other people's favorite restaurants. And they're, they're doing some collabs with some of their, their coffee drinks and, and just thinking outside the box as much as possible, because, you know, people are going to want to support you as long as you're front and center and top of mind. Um, we have to stay active right now on, on social media, I think, because if you're not, then um, th th that's the only outlet we have to really reach our client base. So um, doing things like this and, and letting people know that you are a person <laughs> behind yeah. the business and yeah. that you are human and that you don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, I think that that's the other thing, you know, um, I, I think Des Moines is a unique, a unique community that there's a lot of support for small businesses and uh, you know, that's, it, it's, it's important and, and it's enabled, I think a lot of us to kind of get that energy from one another and take your mental health days when you need them. Because, you know, I've had some days where I literally stayed in bed and I just cried and like, it's okay. Like it's real. Yeah. My wrist hurt so bad yesterday because I literally didn't get out of bed and was just scrolling Instagram and Netflix on my phone all day. My <laughs> wrist was hurting so bad from holding my phone. 
Um, but you know, I, I needed that day because I, I only get one day off a week and you know, my days are like 12 hours long, six days a week. So I was like, I get one day to lay in bed mm -hmm. and be lazy and do nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, mental health days are so important. Um, I wish the, the pea bean dip, <laughs> I wish they had seen the Instagram live I did just last week about how to get for free publicity for your business. Oh, um, that was a really great one. Yeah. That, yeah, that had so much valuable information in it. Um, but unfortunately it didn't save afterwards, which is why Jamie and I are now double recording this on Skype to make sure we get the audio. Um, there was so much good content in that one. Um, but a lot of local news is they, they need articles right now. And a lot of them want to hear about the, the good stuff that's going on, the businesses that are pivoting. Um, We've had the, the local newspaper has been in touch with us because somebody drove by and, and saw the giant sign in our window that says, you know, curbside pickup. Um, and then a local magazine just got in touch with me this morning and they're going to send a photography photographer down to take free pictures because they're doing a whole feature in their next uh, next month's issue about all the local businesses that are like pivoting and, and staying open and, and doing new things during this time period. Um, so there are opportunities out there, definitely. Um, and Always answer your phone. That's something, Callie, that I got from, you know, and it's interesting because I've, I've had um, our local newspaper has called me a few times now for, for articles and, um, you know, we have Meredith uh, printing here in Des Moines and they do all of the printing for Better Homes and Gardens. And so a reporter from them called me and I had a feature in there on their, on their, on their web um, publication. And so always answer your phone, get back to people with emails, stay up to date, respond as soon as possible, because if they don't hear from you, they may have reached out to other businesses um, that, that could be the, you know, you could lose that opportunity. So stay up to date and um, try to plug yourself as much as possible when you can. Yeah. If they haven't reached out to you yet, reach out to them. Let mm -hmm. them know that you've got this online store, that you're remaining of service to your community during this difficult time. I've uh, I've got a, a 5.45 a.m. live interview on the morning news show tomorrow morning to talk about you know, Earth Day and, and how we're staying sustainable during this time period. So there's so many ways to, to, to keep yourself out there. And like this Instagram live that you're watching right now with, with me and Jamie, it's to benefit you guys because we get so many questions, so many people want to do this, but it's also to benefit ourselves. It's to get our, our faces in front of our audiences and remind people that we're here, that we provide value, that we, mm -hmm. we do this and we're, we're open and, um, yeah, I think being online is just so much more important now than ever being on social media. And um, I know so many people don't like being on camera, but I people connect with a face yeah, way more than they connect with a logo or a brand name. They want to see a face. They want to know who's behind it. So it's so important to get on camera and show yourself, show the behind the scenes. People love that. And that's yeah. a great way. Engagement is so much higher when you show your face. So like I jump on all the time, talk to you guys. And that's because like, like number one, I, I, I enjoy it. And I miss having people here. Like that's why I opened a shop is I wanted to build community with people and to interact with them. And, and, and I think, you know, anyone that's opening a storefront, that's part, I mean, you wouldn't like people or you wouldn't do it if you didn't like people. And so um, continually communicating with people, letting them see your face, like you said, Callie, is so important. I mean, I, I am an introvert and I don't like talking to strangers, um, but luckily I don't have to because I have a store mm -hmm. manager. So she does most of the face-to-face. The -face. I'm so much more comfortable 
Um, not really on camera. I, I definitely, this is why I have a podcast. I, I prefer to get behind a mic where nobody mm -hmm. can see me, but I, I can still get our message out there and, and share important things. Um, but yeah, tips for social media if you're an introvert and networking. Um, just suck it up and do it. That's literally your only option. If you want to succeed, you have, in, in business, you have to network. Um, there's no other way around it. And if you want to succeed in business in this day and age, you have to social media. There's no other way around mm -hmm. it. Um, so you really just have to suck it up and do it. You know, if you don't feel comfortable getting on video, especially like being live is, is terrifying too. So pre-recording is always an option. Or if you don't want to be on video at all, at least take a picture. Um, I also think uh, have somebody else take pictures of you, somebody mm -hmm. that you're comfortable with too. Like it is important to have professional photographs, but it also, you need to be working with somebody behind the camera that you are comfortable and can relax with. Um, Cause if you're uncomfortable and your body language is tense, that's going to show up in, in those pictures. Um, but practice makes perfect. The more you do it, the, the more comfortable the less awkward you get. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just, you just go for it. Like I, remember my first uh live tv interview that was terrifying because i'm like tens of thousands of people are going to see me this is and if i mess up they're gonna see it and there's no mm -hmm. editing it and yeah like i'm still a little bit nervous for tomorrow morning but i'm yeah. just like hmm, well. and just like practice you know um it's i don't know I, practice Stand in front of the mirror. Yeah, practice in the mirror, watch yourself, and that way you can be mindful. I, I talk with my hands a ton. Oh and my so God. You can't really see them right now, but they're going crazy down here. And, you know, and it's, it's it, just be mindful of what you do and, and be comfortable with yourself. Um, you know, I, 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 I worked in a lot of professions for a long time, and I felt like I, I couldn't be myself. Um, you know, I had to cover up my tattoos, or I couldn't have tattoos, and you know, I couldn't have the nose piercings I wanted and I wasn't able to fully just be me. And like my comfortable state is a graphic t-shirt that says something and, you know, some, some comfortable shoes, jeans, and that's about it. I like wearing hats too. So when you're comfortable and you embrace who you are, then it's, I think it, it, it makes you feel less like you're putting on a show for someone. Um, yeah. and you know, just be comfortable in your skin and, and, I know it doesn't really help a ton, but um, the more the more you practice, the better it gets. Yeah, and I think your business should has to be a reflection of your mm -hmm. true self, um, not your public persona, because you do have to show up as your true, authentic self. And and so, but then if if your business has this one very distinctive branding, but then you yourself have a very other branding or style like and they contradict that's just going to confuse people and so that's why it's important that your personal and your business branding are the same and you know and if we're talking about business uh, personal branding and you have no idea what that is please google it it is so 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 important um you know i wouldn't be where i am today if, if i hadn't worked on my personal branding um and and making sure that while there is a curated image it's also an authentic image that's put out there um, because I am the face of the business and, and people know me and, and recognize me as that. So yeah, curated, but authentic still. Um, okay. Did we get through all the questions? No, I still have nine more in my email. Okay. Oh, hi, Stacy. Hi, Rosie. Got some people um, saying hi. 
Somebody asked, okay, this is a question about consignment. We already answered that. Mm -hmm. Were there any regulations that you had to follow before being able to open up the store? So we cannot answer this with a blanket statement. We can only talk about Des Moines, Iowa, and Rapid City, South Dakota. Your city, county, and state regulations are going to vary unless you happen to be in one of these two towns. Um, some cities require like occupancy licenses. Um, if you're selling food, that's a whole nother ball yeah. game. Um, we didn't, the only thing that we really had to worry about was a sales tax license. Um, yeah. so, you know, we've got that, we pay our sales tax on a monthly basis. Um, there was the whole process when we wanted to do signage. Um, our lease had to be adjusted for the fact that we're doing both manufacturing and retail. Um, so that was about it though, but yeah, definitely do your research, do your research, um, before you have a location too, because the worst thing would be signing a lease on a location and then finding out that like your business model, uh, isn't applicable for the zoning of your location. Yeah. So yeah, do yeah, your so research. Sorry for interrupting there. If there's any kind of like small, um, small business association in your city or your state, um, definitely connect with them because they'll be able to give you some resources. Um, and a lot of that, they're nonprofits, you know, so um, at least we have a nonprofit here in Des Moines. So I met with them and they, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And then I found out that like I did the top 10 things I was supposed to be doing. And I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe I do know what I'm doing a little bit. Um, but definitely do your research and, and it's hard to find. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of Googling and, and a lot of searching on state um, things, and, and I, I struggled here in Iowa. So, and I think that's because there weren't a ton. There's, I mean, there's no other shops like, like ours really everywhere yet. So, um, you know, we are pioneering some of those realms. So definitely ask questions and, um, you know, don't be afraid to, to raise your hand and, and say, well, does this affect me? So you, you definitely don't want to be... Um, shut down by any means because you didn't do something right. Yeah. Also check your local and state uh, ways and measures department. If you're doing any sort of selling product by, by weight um, and like you're, you're weighing things essentially. Um, some, a lot of places have regulations on the type of scale. The scale has to be certified, inspected regularly, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that, that is such a great area though, because like you just said, we're, we're such a, a niche industry. And so a lot of ways and measures are specific for food. And so there's a lot of gray area of like personal care products. If they need to be weighed on, on certified scales, it's a gray area, but yeah, small business, um, offices or administrations are an amazing place. They almost always have free mentor programs, which, um, uh, business owners who have a mentor are, I think, 30% more likely to succeed after 10 years. So having a mentor is, is really a vital thing, I think. Um, I don't even have one yet, but I um, am in the process of getting one. I'm really, really lucky because it's a lot of the times you do have to pay for a mentor. If you aren't able to find one, you're, you're going to have to pay for one. Um, but FedEx actually, because we were a top 100 uh, small business, they are giving all of their top 100 small businesses um, free mentorship through SCORE, which I'm really excited about. So we're in the process of getting a mentor finally. Um, and then small business administrations also have funding options available. Mm -hmm. And they're often a lot better than like banks um, because they prioritize women and minority owned businesses rather than disenfranchising them like a lot of banks tend to do. So 
that's a good place. How easy or difficult was it to find a location? We touched on location a bit. Mm -hmm. um, just research, don't settle, wait for the perfect one because you settle and you just like are trying to get into somewhere quick just for the sake of being able to open. You're going to be so unhappy if you're not in the right location. Um, and you want to think ahead long term too of not outgrowing it too fast. Mm -hmm. uh, we outgrew our first place like five months into our 12 month lease. Um, and now Jamie's going through the, the same struggles about growing her place. So yeah, look, looking ahead and it's hard to know if your business is going to be successful. I yeah. do know a few zero waste stores that have closed down because they just didn't have enough customers in their area. Um, but then I know so many that are, are in their first location for a year or less because they have to move mm -hmm. so fast and, and oftentimes break leases to be able to, to move up. Um, what do you think, Jamie? Was it easy or difficult to find your location? Uh, like I said, I mean, it kind of found me. I got really lucky. So it was, um, uh, well, I'll tell you the story. It, um, I had a pop-up on like a Saturday, Sunday at a work-live space down in the, down to the other side of downtown in Des Moines. And I, it just clicked. I was like, oh my God, a work-live space. That would work perfectly. And the, where I was living at the time, I was um, in a month-to-month -month lease. And this was like the end of July. It was probably like July 24th. And so like I, that next day I got on and, you know, Googled work live spaces in Des Moines and popped into the, the building that I'm currently in. They had one unit available starting August 1st. I called them that, um, I think I called like that Wednesday. I went in on Thursday and looked at the space, fell in love. And I was like, I think this might work. Called my sister. Cause she's like my person and a couple of my best friends. And I was like, am I crazy? can I make this work? And, you know, I crunched some numbers and, um, you know, they really wanted to have a retail in the space because people can just live in these spaces also. And the two people that live next to me are just residents. They're not retail. So they hadn't had a retail space in, in their property, um, for, for years and years. And so they were really excited, um, to have me here. And so I went back on Friday, I wrote him a check and I signed the lease and I literally moved in, started moving in that following Tuesday. So it was like a two week, not even a two week turnaround. It was like a week turnaround. And I was like, well, I guess I'm opening a store <laughs> and it was, it just happened. And so it goes back to that, you know, putting good things out into the universe and accepting um, good things and believing in yourself. Because if, if I, you know, was in a different headspace, I wouldn't have trusted that I could do it. I didn't have a business plan. Um, I didn't have financing. Uh, you know, I, I was like two years down the road, I'll open a store. I'll keep doing pop-ups and market research and all of these things. And, and I just did it. So um, believe in yourself and, uh, you know, things will just happen and you just have to be ready to jump when they do. So this space became available. I got very lucky. Um, if it wouldn't have become available, I don't know if I would be sitting here right now. So, yeah. Yeah, um, we moved into our production space, which was 600 square feet um, in November of uh, 2018 and, you know, 12 month lease. And by April of 2019, we were already starting to outgrow that space um, just with our, our production. And so um, Cheska, who was my operations manager at the time, she's now the dedicated store manager now that they're like such big separate jobs. Um, Cheska and I started looking for places in the downtown area in April um, and then in May and then I left in the middle of May um, and, and did a whole bunch of traveling in my van over the summer um, 
And yeah, it was July 17th when I saw this location on Craigslist because I was still searching from, from California. And I saw it and I still, I have the screenshot on my phone of the email that I sent Chesca on July 17th <laughs> with a link to this Craigslist listing for this place. And I was like, I think I was like, uh, you know, brick, downtown brick, uh, hard floors, white walls. This is my dream location. Um, and then it was uh, like August 2nd, the August 1st that I flew out here and looked at it and signed it. And it was available uh, immediately, but they were willing to be really flexible because we couldn't get out of our lease until it ended in November at the old place. And I was not willing to pay for two, I couldn't afford to pay for two months rent. And so this uh, landlord was willing, I, I paid the security deposit um, in August and then we didn't move in and, and start paying rent until November 1st. And so it was only one month, the month of November that we had to pay mm -hmm. double rent for both places and you know, use the month of November to move everything and, and buy a bunch of stuff and get it all set up. And then December 1st, November 30th, we're out of our old place, return the keys. December 1st was our grand opening. Um, and we had three and a half, four incredible months before we had to close. <laughs> <laughs> Move to curbside only. And, and so, you know, now our building, our, our door is locked and there's a table outside of our front door where, where people order online and then they pick their, their orders up from that table. So it's definitely a really interesting time period. And, um, yeah, no idea what, what the future is going to hold, but the back is still where we do all of our bestowed essentials production. Um, and, you know, with a lot of our stockists being closed right now too, or at least, you know, moving to online and definitely have less sales than, than they did in the past, that's definitely affected our wholesale business a lot too. Um, but I'm really glad that we still are sharing one space um, so that we can still afford rent during this difficult time. Cause I can't imagine if we had two separate places right now. And, and that was on the goal list for early 2021. Of course, that's getting pushed back now, you know, before we'll be able to separate locations, but yeah. So it just, long story short, it just kind of came, came to me as well. It was just meant to be, I think. Um, and I love it here. I really love it here. Um, okay. Last couple questions. Why did you choose to have a physical store as opposed to only having an online store? Uh, community. You can serve your community so much better with a physical space. Um, when there's not a global pandemic, you can do so many amazing community events and workshops and um, just being able to connect with people face-to-face. -face. It is nothing like you know, we answer customer service emails every day about, you know, what do you guys recommend for my hair, my skin type? What do you recommend? What's the difference between this and this? It's not the same answering an email versus being able to talk to people in person and hand them the product and then being able to feel it, smell it, see it. Um, yeah, it's just, they're two totally different business models. And I can't wait to be able to, to be more involved in our local community again it's been great to have this opportunity to connect more with our online community and focusing on our website and increasing our online sales but i miss our local customers i miss being able to talk to them and you know we we had regulars and and i miss being able to see them so that really sucks yeah yeah i would agree with that and you know from um for me, I, I I never really wanted to be online. Uh, this pandemic has actually forced me to be online. And so 
which I am now very grateful for. I was just being stubborn. I just didn't want it. And I think it's because I, I wanted people to be in the store. I, I wanted to create this safe space for people to come and ask questions and, and to know who they were asking them to. And, and I wanted to get to know them. And, um, you know, like I said, I mean, I came from the event hospitality industry. And so I've, you know, been very um, front, front of scene kind of, but also back of house. And so I wanted to have both, both options to, to, to communicate with people. Um, and, you know, and especially having a, a bulk section, you know, I wanted people to be able to bring their own containers and refill them. So with everything going on right now, I'm, you know, I'm not allowing uh, people to bring in their own containers and, and they have to purchase, you know, I have mason jars that are available for a, a pretty minimal cost, but it, it's, it's hard for me to be able to do that because I, you know, I want people to bring their own container and, and reuse and repurpose. And, um, you know, Callie, actually, I'm giving you a plug right now, Callie, because you did with your new hand sanitizers, um, they asked for donations for kombucha bottles and they've produced these, their hand sanitizer and used repurposed kombucha bottles. Like that is incredible. You know, being able to, to use what we have and repurpose it, that's what this business is all about. Um, you know, and so it, it's it, this time, this pandemic, and maybe we're shifting and talking about some of that as a business owner, you know, it's, it's making us think differently. Um, you know, I've learned a ton and uh, I think my, my business is going to change because of it. You know, I was literally just one and a half weeks into being full-time in the shop. I didn't even get to do anything I wanted to be able to do. You know, I had so many plans for um, workshops and community events and, and collaborations. And I wanted to do like a kid's day camp and like all of these different things. And um, I'm going to have to think of how to do them differently. So, so this is the beginning of that, you know, uh, and it's kind of fitting that Earth Week I think is right now because it's allowing a lot of us to come together in a different way. Um, and celebrate and remind people that we need to be paying attention. Um, I mean, we've seen how quickly people had to go indoors and, 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 and change the way that they live and wear masks outside, which not everyone is doing, and, you know, um, really rethink how, how to live, mainly here in the U.S. I think we're the ones that are struggling the most, obviously. Um, but if we, if, if there is a, someone that says, you have to do this. You have to make a change. Look how quickly everyone changed. Now let's hope that maybe someday people will say, okay, you have to make a difference. We're, we're killing the planet. Like that needs to be, that's the next conversation. You know, these viruses and these outbreaks and pandemics, they happen because there's just, there's too much weight going on. And, um, you know, that's, I don't want to get into that conversation, but it, it does, it, it stems a different conversation for people and, you know, making us think differently, be creative, pivot our businesses. And if, if you're not um, innovative right now, then you're irrelevant. You know, you, you, you won't succeed. Uh, I had a, a, a fellow small business owner. She sent me a really great, um, it was something that, that uh, a Zoom that um, a business owner had, a small business owner, I think it was like a tech firm or something. And he um, discussed with his people and about how you know technology is 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 the next thing, and if we don't evolve our business, then then you won't exist. Um, you know, the, the people that didn't do what Uber did, they don't exist. Um, you know, like look at Instacart and all of these other businesses. Unfortunately, Amazon. But if if you don't change right now, you don't evolve. You're going to be irrelevant. So, um, it's it, it's definitely a pivotal time for a small business to 
to grow and learn and adapt and connect with other like-minded small business owners and say, okay, did you do this? Did it work for you? And, and learn together because some of those mistakes, you know, they're going to be too big and people won't be able to recover from them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely, it's still such a dream of mine to, to work on the Zero Waste Business Alliance. And that's a project that we've been very slow going on over the last year um, that I guess the the one good side to the the extra free time I have with our store being closed right now is that I, I actually have an entire day a week that I can work on that. So that'll that'll gain some serious traction in, in the next few, I don't know how long, few weeks, few months, <laughs> however long I have this extra time where I can mm -hmm. give an entire business day to that. Um, and, you know, that is going to be such an amazing resource. I guess I'm also unsure, though, like, is now the right time? Mm -hmm. Or even, you know, obviously not now, but right after this, is that even the right time to launch something like that when, when we're heading into a recession? Um, but I hope that, that that'll be a really valuable resource for a lot of people who are wanting to start. What would that be about? So the Zero Waste Business Alliance is something I told Jamie about a year ago and still haven't gotten it out yet. Um, I am working on it with um, a woman named April in Seattle and a woman named Sasha who owns a Green Life Trading Company in Madison, Wisconsin. The three of us are starting a nonprofit um, professional networking organization called the Zero Waste Business Alliance. And that is a membership platform. We will of course have a free membership option um, with a lot of the, the necessary beginner resources, um, but there will be more advanced um, paid membership options too for additional resources and pretty much every single like topic that Jamie and I have talked about, like mm -hmm. a long ass blog post, we're going to have interviews with business owners, we're going to have resource pages with like every single zero waste manufacturer out there and all of these bulk options and where to get equipment, you know, where to buy gravity bins and just all these resources and ideas and so many questions you know do you still have like you know you're like yeah, yeah. This? yeah monthly we're going to be doing monthly webinars on uh, you know sales tax and picking a location and um everything like everything business because you know while this is a zero waste business it's still a business and so you know we want to cover all of those topics but then also be talking about how to be as sustainable as possible um and then as well as as content for people who have stores already um that want to move into offering more zero waste or bulk options that want to to greenify their businesses essentially um so that has been over a year in the making now and um it's it's very slow going it was a project that I thought I could do by myself in like six months, um, I realized I could not. And, and so now I, I have help luckily and, and we're working on it. Um, but you know, we also all have really busy lives. And so it's, we haven't made as much progress as, as I would have liked. But like I said, we're finally, finally starting to make some traction on that. And the goal is to definitely have that finally launched in live this year. Um, cause I know there's just, there's, hundreds if not thousands of people who who want more information and there is no centralized place or platform or anything for for people to learn about all of this stuff that's specific yeah. to the zero-based business um okay so our last question from the email um what are some of the challenges you experience with operating the store for example customers cost etc 
Gosh, um, I, I'll start with that. And, and, and part of that, I'm sure, um, you know, I, I don't have as long of a, uh, of a tenure to, to really speak to, but um, I feel like I've been very lucky and um, I'm very grateful for that, that um, I haven't had a, a ton of challenges just yet. Um, but I think that that is also because I'm, I'm a very patient person and, um, you know, if, if things happen, I, I accept them as learning opportunities. Um, you know, I've definitely misordered things. Um, I had, um, oh, Sophie's coming downstairs. Maybe she'll jump up and say hi. Um, I had a, um, a, a pretty big, uh, inventory amount missing from one of my boxes and one of my first orders and I opened the box I didn't take pictures of it and I was kind of getting everything out and then I messaged um, the makers it was probably like $400 worth of product was missing from my box and unfortunately I couldn't do anything about it because I didn't do the process right and so that was a huge learning curve for me I was out that inventory um, I've miscounted inventory before and like, it's just me. And so I'm like, okay, this is my bad. Uh, I didn't have the proper inventory entered in on a couple items or I broke something and I forgot to take it out of inventory. And, uh, I think accounting is just, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, my accountant, we'll see. I turned everything in the other day, so we'll see what she says. Um, it should be interesting, but I, I think that some of those things I, as a first year business owner, I'm, I'm taking them as, as growth opportunities. And, um, you know, I, I think we're pretty lucky here in the Des Moines community to have a, a, a great, um, very, very, uh, my customers are, are really, really patient with me and, and you know, they know that I'm still growing and learning. So I'm going to see if so I can get Sophie to say hi. Okay. We're going to have to wrap up because my iPad is at 5%. Um, so, so this will be the last little bit. The challenges that we face, uh, the reason why I laughed when I, I heard the question too is because the first thing that came to mind, honestly, and I don't want to alienate people, but um, one of the biggest challenges is education. Um, we're in a, a rural, very conservative uh, mm -hmm. area. And, you know, we get people who walk in that are just like straight up like science deniers and climate change deniers and... Um, people that come in confrontational, people that come in upset that we are trying to do good in the world um, and just come in with the intention of wanting to knock us down and just make negative comments um, and emails too. And that's, that's hard. Yeah. Um, you and, have to like mind your P and Q's, but at the same time, like stand up for what you believe in. So yeah, Callie, that's, it's a unique situation. Yeah, that, that is really hard. And, and I am such a sensitive person. I take everything personally. This is my baby. This is my entire life. And so when somebody, uh, talks shit about it, it, I take it personally, because if you're talking shit about my business here, you're, you're talking shit about me. If, if you say that my business is stupid, you say that my entire life work is stupid. Mm -hmm. And you know, you say that you don't think this is going to work out. You're telling me that you don't think I'm going to succeed. Um, I take things very um, so that's, that's frustrating. And I, I don't think you would see that as much if you were in a, a larger, more progressive area. Um, but then at the same time, you know, I think that we're also meant to be here to, to change minds mm -hmm. and to change habits too. And, and I do believe that we've already done that quite a bit. Um, 
God, inventory. Holy guacamole. <laughs> yeah. Frustrating. Um, we, we use Shopify for both our online store and our retail POS. Yeah. And I know I have watched them input, count it and input it. And I know that they are putting it into Shopify, correct? And then Shopify just fucks it up somehow. And we sell out of, of something that, that was at zero and shouldn't have been sold. Like we, we sell things that we don't have or we just have so many issues with Shopify, which is really frustrating. And then also like, um, we, we do wholesale and we sell on other platforms. And so inventory has been hard and that's on my upcoming to-do list is to find a better inventory management system that works with Shopify, but not having to rely on Shopify to track it anymore. Um, and then, oh gosh. And I know as, as a maker too, with the, the inventory, like I can't even tell you how often USPS damages boxes or loses them. I remember yours was a big one that got lost. Yeah, and it was a big order. It was, and it was so urgent too. I remember um, the big one was, it's it's now one of our biggest wholesale accounts and I'm so glad that they stuck, and, and you are too, and I'm glad that you stuck with us even though the, the first order got messed up. But our very first order with what's become one of our biggest wholesale accounts was I think about $800 and the box... Um, they weren't able to deliver it because they weren't there at that time. So they left a note on the door to come pick it up from the post office and held onto it for 30 days, but like the note fell off the door. And so they never went to the post office to pick it up. So it got returned to us, but on the return back, it got lost. And I was like, I was like, this is kind of your fault. Cause it did show up there and you didn't go pick it up. But then like, it's still my responsibility mm -hmm. to take care of it. And, um, and then like, USPS could not find it. So we made all of this new product, sent out another box of $800 worth of product, sent it to them. It got there just fine. And then magically out of the blue, they got the, the first box like, <laughs> later. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and then we had to deal with like credit for it and because they didn't want to pay for two up front. And it was just, yeah. It's challenging. Yeah. I That's think that control and you just have to mm -hmm. roll with it. And as a business, like, <sighs> even if it's not your fault, you still have to take the responsibility for it too, which cuts into your profit. And so that's why it's also really important when you're pricing things to not just be pricing for your reoccurring expenses and your estimated expense, but make sure you are uh, pricing and, and budgeting for loss. That's yeah. Mm -hmm. Loss, mistakes, things Breaking. that are broken, things that are stolen. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I know that Shopify messes up our inventory, but I'm also pretty sure that a few things have been stolen from yeah. the store. Too. So you know, it happens. Um, nothing you can do about it. That is literally just part of running retail, unfortunately. And I had hoped that it wouldn't be as big of an issue with, with us being an ethical business. I was hoping we'd attract ethical customers, but that is not 100% of the yeah. case. Yeah, it's um, one of those things that I think as a business owner, I just tell myself, I try to be patient and just say, you know what, I, I hope that they really needed it. And I hope that it's something that... Um, I hope they pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's hard. It's, and, and you know, there's things that you, you will feel like a failure as a small business owner half the time, probably, yeah. and, you know, especially, especially when you're learning through these hurdles and inventory has probably been one, been one of my most challenging learnings as well. And sometimes I just get so excited to get a box. I don't check it in at all. And like, I can't get mad at anybody but myself. And then I'm like, I'll be, you know, someone, well, would come into the shop. Now, now it's a 
problem some because it's different when I'm in the shop and someone comes in, I can just edit it. I wasn't selling online, but if I make a mistake online now, then that's something that I have to tell someone, Hey, you know, I broke something today and I can't give you what you, what you need. And I forgot to take it out of inventory when I broke it. Um, you know, I'm clumsy. And so I break some of my glass bottles often. And I'm like, dang it, that's a bummer. Like that's my fault. Luckily, you know, it's just me. So I, I have to get mad at myself and, and I can't blame it on any, I mean, I could blame it on Sophie, but she's a cat. Like, you know, she can't yeah, fight and, back. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that brings to mind too. It's, it's a whole different ball game when you have employees as well. Um, and I have the most amazing team and I've worked very hard, you know, in the hiring process to, to surround myself with people who are dedicated to this. And, you know, my team members are now literally my best friends, but that's not to say that there isn't friction for sure. That's not to say that they don't mess up sometimes. And then there's that. And for me, it's still something that I'm trying a skill. I'm trying to learn like good leadership. I want to be a good leader and I want to, be their best friend, you know, 95% of the time, but that 5% that I have to be in boss mode or like, God, if I have to discipline somebody or like, have a serious, it's hard. It's so hard. And, um, yeah, so that's a, a whole nother ball game to take on as you grow. Once you start having a team and it's totally one thing to be your own boss, but, but to manage other people is, um, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And then right now too, with, everything that's going on and being worried about sales and how long we're going to be able to stay afloat with our doors closed and, and all of this and knowing that people's livelihoods depend on you is just like the most overwhelming thing. But you know, this is what I, I signed up for. And well, I certainly never imagined that a global <laughs> this would happen. Like this yeah. is just, I am very thankful. You know, I, I, um, I'm not fond of my military time, but I'm very thankful for that experience and everything I've learned from it because the, the military's adapt and overcome is like the most important thing in running a business, adapt and overcome. Mm -hmm. So my iPad's at 1%. Oh, okay. crap. Okay. Jamie, I love you so much. Yes, it, this was so great. Um, everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you're watching this later, we hope that you got great content. Um, continue to send us questions in Cali. Thank you for everything. Um, Thank you. Yay. We'll see you guys later. Bye. And that's a wrap. If you liked today's episode, you'll definitely want to check out episode 42 of the Hippie Haven podcast, all about how to start a zero-waste store with Lindsay Manderson of Zero Market in Denver, Colorado. We also have tons of other resources about how to open a zero-waste store on our website, hippiehavenpodcast.com. Remember, knowledge is power, so if you learned something from today's episode, share it with someone you know who'd also benefit from this free resource. If you share the podcast on your social media, don't forget to tag and follow me at Hippie Haven Shop so that I can repost it. And I'll be back next Wednesday with an episode about using psychedelic plants to awaken your higher self. This podcast is produced with the help of my communications coordinator, Ray Lynn, who also runs our Hippie Haven Facebook group, which if you haven't already joined, definitely hop over to Facebook, search Hippie Haven in the groups tab, and join our private community of fellow hippies making a difference in our communities. You can also support our work here at Hippie Haven by leaving a review for the podcast in whichever app you're using to listen, or buy us a virtual cup of coffee to keep us going. Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash hippie haven to support the work we do. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you have a great rest of your day.